Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like... What the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. There's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers and industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning. From the journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts. Something to note, all myths have many versions and variations. Classical Chinese mythology is non-monolithic, meaning that several different religious beliefs exist simultaneously in the world of this story, rather than a single defining faith. Representatives of Buddhism, Taoism, Confucianism, and Chinese folk mythology all make appearances throughout the tale of the Monkey King. The demon of havoc looked with satisfaction on its new lair. Soon, all the creatures in Ao Lai would learn to fear him as the monkeys had. Just then, the waterfall that hid the entrance to his lair broke, and a monkey leapt through, landing with perfect elegance on the iron bridge between them. The demon of havoc bared his teeth in a pleased snarl. This was not one of the monkeys he chased off. This one held itself with an almost human pride. (laughs) Another monkey? Surely the others warned you what would happen if you entered my cave. My name is Sun Wukong. This cave belongs to me. So you are the Monkey King. You must not be much of a king if your subjects are so easily beaten. And you must not be much of a demon if you chose such weak opponents to fight. I could cut out your tongue for such an insult. Only a coward would speak such baseless threats. The demon's rage boiled over. He put down his weapon and charged. Sun Wukong grinned. His ploy had worked. He quickly plucked a few hairs from his shoulders and stuffed them into his mouth. He chewed as fast as he could, dividing the few hairs into hundreds of split ends. Then, when the demon was almost on top of him, he spat. As the cloud of hairs flew toward the beast, they transformed into thousands of tiny monkeys. The newly created swarm engulfed the demon biting, scratching, and beating at every gap in the monster's armor. The demon cried in shock, clawing at itself, trying to pluck away the hairy pests. Sun Wukong stepped forward and picked up the discarded sword. He leapt into the air and brought it down with all his might on the Havoc Demon's head. The blade carved a clean path through the demon's helm, rending the skull beneath. Head cleft in two, the demon of havoc collapsed onto the bridge, lifeless. Their work over, the troop of tiny monkeys became hares once again. The Monkey King jumped in delight. He had never defeated a demon before. His subjects would be overjoyed when they could return to their home. He could get used to this feeling. 
Welcome to Mythology, a ParCast original. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Mythology for free on Spotify, just open the app, tap Browse, and type Mythology in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram, at ParCast, and Twitter, at ParCast Network. And if you enjoyed today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really does help. Today, we're beginning the saga of the Monkey King, which follows the adventures of a magical yet roguish primate as he seeks to find his place in the universe. Next week, we'll follow the Monkey King as he joins a party of eclectic adventurers heading westward to receive enlightenment. Believed to have been written in the 16th century by Wu Chengen, Journey to the West is one of the four great classical novels of China alongside Romance of the Three Kingdoms, Water Margin, and Dream of the Red Chamber. These are some of the oldest novels ever written and contain a mixture of mythological storytelling with some loose history. Journey to the West is an epic tale set in the 7th century, packed with adventures, philosophy, and even a healthy dose of satire. While the bulk of the novel concerns a monk's adventure to claim sacred Buddhist scrolls that the Buddha has hidden away, the first seven chapters are an origin story of sorts for Sung Wukong, also known as the Monkey King. Today's episode will be a retelling of those seven chapters. Unlike the 93 chapters that follow it, this section of the book follows more in the structure of a picaresque narrative with a mischievous protagonist who can't stop getting into trouble. Sun Wukong is a hero characterized by his flaws, greed, ego, and more than anything, a powerful desire to be respected and feared by the entire world. His arrogance is matched only by his wit and aptitude for acquiring new talents. And it was this aptitude that would get him in and out of trouble for his entire mortal life. There are some places in the world where the heavens and the earth are in perfect balance. One such place is a mountain peak in the land of Aulai, at the exact midpoint between the energies of the land and sky. On that place, since the dawn of time, sat a rock. It was 36 feet high and 24 feet around, and absorbed the essence of the universe for countless centuries. Sunlight warmed its surface during the day, and the moon caressed it at night. And then, after countless ages, it split open. From the fissure, an egg rolled out and quickly cracked and shattered. From it came forth a stone monkey. He was similar in size to other primates, but his eyes flashed with a unique golden light. Stone Monkey did not spare a single thought for its magical birth as it took in the world around it. Fur grew over its rough quartz hide until it was almost indistinguishable from a normal primate. Within days, it had learned to climb, run, and jump across vast distances. But soon it grew bored of the mountains and it left to live among the animals. In the world of the animals, the stone monkey was exceedingly popular. The wolves, tigers, and bears all enjoyed his company, but he never felt more at home than among the monkeys, where he was just another member of the troop. That is, until the monkeys encountered their first waterfall. They stood before it, wondering at the currents cascading in front of them. They chattered amongst themselves, theorizing what could be behind the curtain of water. 
None of them were brave enough to jump through. None except the stone monkey, who strode confidently to the waterfall and crouched in preparation. The other monkeys looked to him in alarm. Are you mad? You will drown or get crushed to death on the jagged rocks. I suppose I might. With that, the stone monkey sprang from his stance and took a running leap at the waterfall, head first. The water struck down harder than he expected, sending him spinning head over heels. But he didn't hit a wall of solid rock. Rather, he landed on his feet behind the water, unharmed. He blinked and saw that he was in a grand cavern. Before him stood a rough stone house at the end of a burnished iron bridge. A glance through the window revealed that the home was completely empty. The stone monkey grinned. When he leaped back through the waterfall and told the others what he saw, he was greeted with praise and adulation. The others all agreed this was a monkey of substance, fearless and cunning, who would jump into the waters of death for the good of his people. He is a warrior, our true leader, our king. And do not forget, he is also incredibly handsome. The primates looked at the stone monkey. Though they were wary of his arrogance, they could not disagree. He was quite good-looking. And that was how the stone monkey gained the title, Handsome Monkey King. The next couple hundred years were carefree for the Monkey King and his subjects. They frolicked through the forests, playing games and making mischief all day. And at night, they slept in the water curtain cave. But as the years rolled by, the Monkey King grew melancholy. One night at a feast, he burst into tears. His concerned subjects immediately gathered around him to comfort their fearless leader. Oh, what troubles you, handsome monkey king? I am afraid. I've merely been thinking, and I wish I could stay here with all of you forever and never have to worry. What could you possibly be worrying about? Mortality. One day, Yama, the king of death, will come for me. And when I die, I will be reincarnated in another form and scarcely recognize any of you. My king, this is something you cannot change. That's not necessarily true. There are three kinds of beings who never die. Buddhas, immortals, and sages. I want to become one of them. Is it even possible for a monkey to achieve immortality? I do not know. I don't think a monkey has ever tried. The next day, the Monkey King built himself a raft and set off down the river, heading south. The country of Aulai and his fellow monkeys receded behind him as he made his way toward the world of men. The Monkey King lost track of time as he rode the river. The mountains became dense jungles and soon turned back into mountains once more. Eventually, he stopped seeing animals along the riverbanks and saw his first humans. He eyed them curiously. They were strange creatures, much like his people, but they wrapped themselves in odd furs and used strange tools to shape the world around them. Perhaps they knew more about enlightenment. He brought his raft to the shore and introduced himself. The humans promptly fled in fear. So, to get closer to them, the Monkey King stole some clothes and dressed himself up as one to better blend in. His life among the humans was disappointing. Everyone he spoke to seemed too concerned with earning wealth to care about anything else. There was no enlightenment to be found. So the Monkey King moved on, taking his raft to the Western Continent. Humans were largely the same in the Western Continent, but there he found a woodcutter who pointed him the right way, 
toward the mountain of the Holy Terrace, where it was said that the wise immortal known as Patriarch Subudi gave lectures. At the top of the mountain, he found a door marked the Cave of the Slanting Moon and Three Stars. It was, to his surprise, unlocked. The chamber within was vast and filled with around 30 people, 30 lesser immortals, the Monkey King thought. At the center of them, atop a green jade platform, stood an old man with a beard trailing down to his feet, Patriarch Sabuti. His posture was rigid, but somehow open, his palms raised upward with humility. It was then that the Monkey King knew immortality was finally in his grasp. His excitement overwhelmed him, and he leapt up and down, whooping in delight. <laughs> um, forgive me for intruding on your lessons. I have traveled many leagues to learn from you. A monkey interested in enlightenment? I have never seen such a thing. Great teacher, the difference between a monk and a monkey is but two letters. <laughs> well said, clever ape. Well said. The patriarch took a liking to Monkey almost immediately, but in spite of this attention, Monkey was disheartened to hear very little talk of immortality among his new master's lessons. He often became restless and would bound around the room just to keep himself awake. After countless lessons, Sabuti finally tried to determine which of the 360 schools of wisdom Monkey was most interested in learning. I think you can start with art wisdom. How does that sound? Will it help me live forever? No. Then it's not the right wisdom for me. How about natural philosophy? Do you wish to study the teachings of Buddha, Lao Tzu, Confucius, and the doctors of medicine? Sounds boring. Is that how you learn to live forever? No. How does one learn to live forever? This all sounds like a waste of time. <sighs> if that's all you are thinking about, you'll never acquire true wisdom. Your stubbornness has exhausted me. This is the end of today's lesson. Grumbling arose from all the other students, who were angry at Monkey for wasting their time with his snide remarks. But Monkey didn't pay them any mind. His eyes were trained on the patriarch as his master turned and walked away toward his chambers. Monkey was skilled at reading body language, and he noticed the patriarch's hands were clasped behind his back as he left, just before he vanished into his room, Sabuti held up three fingers behind his back. He's telling me to meet him at the third watch, Monkey thought to himself. So that night, when all the other pupils were asleep, Monkey stole away to Sabuti's inner chambers. He found the patriarch asleep as well, but Monkey shook him roughly by the shoulders. What are you doing awake at this hour? Master, you told me to come here, to learn from you. Is that so? Your hidden gestures! At the end of yesterday's lesson, the other students were too mad at me to see them. Impressive. You wish to learn the secret to a long life, yes? There are two methods of escaping Yama. The heavenly ladle and the earthly conclusion. The first has 36 forms of transformation. The second has 72. So it is possible for a monkey to learn such tricks. They are not tricks, but yes, all things are doable if you can conquer your own inner barriers. There is nothing difficult in the world, but thinking makes it so. And so, ready to test the patience of his master, the Monkey King sat down to learn the 72 transformations required to escape death. But by acquiring these new talents, the Monkey King opened himself up to a world of dangers he was utterly unprepared for. When we return... 
the Monkey King reunites with his subjects and gains some powerful enemies. Now back to the story. The Monkey King spent over 10 years learning from Patriarch Sabuti. In his first year, he was given a proper name for the first time in his life. Sabuti named him Sun Wukong, or Aware of Vacuity. When Monkey asked him what it meant, Sabuti just chuckled, saying that he would figure it out sooner or later. In the meantime, Monkey learned how to change his form into 72 different shapes and even how to ride the clouds with ease. But it was this last skill that wound up ending his tutelage under Sabuti. <laughs> Watch this! What is going on here? Uh, master, I thought you were meditating. I was until I heard this racket. Come with me. Were you showing off in front of my other students? I... yes, master! You're a clever creature, Sun Wukong. But I'm afraid your tutelage is at an end. Uh, what? Simply because I showed the others I could ride on a cloud? There is no place here for show-offs. Jealousy is a cruel weed. If you stay, it will take root and consume all the others when they realize I taught you the earthly conclusion. Be gone! and do your best to stay out of trouble. Monkey did not believe the patriarch was being fair. Being kicked out after all those years seemed like a great injustice, but some part of him rejoiced. He would finally be able to go back to Aulai and be free to do whatever he wanted with his newfound powers. The monkeys would appreciate his talent far more than the uptight Sabuti did. But when he reached the Water Curtain Cave, Sun Wukong found his subjects huddled outside of it, shaking with fear. Some even bore crimson wounds on their hides. But their eyes lit up when they saw their leader riding a cloud toward them. My king, words cannot express how thrilled we are to see you return. What is going on? Why are you all so frightened? Our home has been taken from us by the demon of havoc. He has tormented us these past three years. A demon? Stay away, Monkey King. He is far too powerful. There's nothing difficult in this world, but thinking makes it so. What? The monkeys watched, amazed, as their king took a flying leap into the waterfall and vanished behind the wall of white water. The bedraggled apes could not contain their fear. They jumped up and down, chattering to each other madly, damp fur showering the grass with droplets of water. After a few moments of excited chaos, they fell silent, knuckles pressed into the earth as they stared toward their former home. A few moments later, they heard the demon's screams. Then there was silence. None of the monkeys dared look away from the cascading waterfall. Until... Victory is ours! Come in, brothers and sisters! Come take a look at the demon who thought he could outwit the Monkey King! The monkeys rejoiced at Sun Wukong's success. He showed them the magic he had acquired from the Western continent and promised he would use this magic to make Aulai the greatest kingdom of them all. They would be safe from everything, including death. Riding the clouds, the Monkey King stole weapons from the kingdoms of man and gave them to his subjects. They would be more than just a rabble of primates. They would be a real nation worthy of respect. Soon, word of the Monkey King's exploits spread beyond the borders of Aulai. The Monkey King heard a rumor that even the Dragon King of the East Sea had heard of him. So, he paid the dragon a visit on the shores of the Eastern Sea. <sighs> Who goes there? It is I, your neighbor from Aulai, Sun Wukong, the Monkey King. 
Never heard of you. Oh, uh, I am the ruler of all animals there. I thought I might pay you a visit to request tribute. Hmm, really? What tribute do you require? See, since I reclaimed my throne, I've been using the sword of a Havoc demon I killed. Wonderful weapon, very sharp, but it's enormous and terribly awkward to use. I was wondering if you had in your treasure trove a weapon better suited for one my size. Contrary to his word, the Dragon King had heard of Sun Wukong. He sized up the primate coldly. This was a young upstart who didn't know his place. The dragon had earned his immortality through years of practice and studying the ways of the water. He would not be bossed around by a monkey in man's clothing. Why don't you follow me down below? I will show you some of our greatest treasures. The dragon slipped beneath the waves, not expecting the monkey to follow. After all, he could not breathe beneath water. When he heard the splash behind him, the dragon shot a wary gaze behind him. The monkey was swimming after him, breathing as if still above water. The dragon grumbled. The monkey's magic was stronger than he had expected. They reached a pile of treasure in an abandoned shipwreck. The dragon king offered a pile of jeweled swords, pretty but worthless as weapons. Monkey saw through this and reached for a metal pillar behind all the glistening weaponry. The Dragon King gaped. The weapon Sun Wukong had selected was forged of heavenly metal. As he grasped it, it shrunk down to the size of a quarterstaff. Too embarrassed to admit he had tried to trick Monkey, the Dragon King allowed him to have it. Sun Wukong called it his golden-clasped wishing staff, and from thence on, it was his primary weapon. He did not bear a single thought to how enraged the Dragon King was that he had been hoodwinked by a false immortal. 342 years after his birth, Sun Wukong was not only the king of the monkeys, but due to his magical gifts and efficiently run kingdom, he was now the most respected ruler of all the animals. But nothing in life is permanent, and shortly after his confrontation with the Dragon King, Sun Wukong would find himself shaken to his very core. One lazy evening after a great banquet, Sun Wukong lay beneath a pine tree at the end of the Great Iron Bridge. His staff shrunk to the size of a needle and tucked behind his ear. Overcome with exhaustion, he slipped off into sleep. In Monkey's dream, he was lying beneath the same tree when some movement caught his eyes by the rushing waterfall. Two dark figures stepped through the water— they looked like men. One had a rope in his hands, and the other had a scroll. Wordlessly, they walked up to him, and one unfurled the document. It had Sun Wukong's name on it in thick black ink. It was a death contract. These were Yama's men. Monkey did not have time to scream— the rope was around him, drawing tight. He fought, but it was no use. This was the dream world. His strength was useless here. They dragged him out into the night. Monkey's head spun with fear and panic. The terrain around him changed from the familiar land of Aulai to the land of darkness. What is the meaning of this? Your time in the world of life is up. We were sent to arrest you. Not possible! I am an immortal! Death has no power over me! Go back and tell your master there has been a mistake! There is no mistake. If you are in Yama's book, you must be collected. Monkey's ear tickled. There was something the size of a toothpick there... 
The haze of the dream world cleared almost instantly. He realized with a jolt, his staff. He stopped fighting his bonds and bowed his head in defeat. When they averted their eyes, he reached behind his ear and removed the weapon. The staff grew in his grip until it filled his hand. As soon as it was big enough, he swung it with all his might. It struck the rope man about the head. He swung again, catching the other beneath his chin. They both reeled. As his captors regained their footing, Monkey shrugged off the ropes. Then he attacked again. They didn't have time to recover. Both men fell before his flurry of blows. Panting, the monkey let his arms drop. The two men were now just a pair of broken bodies twitching on the ground. Monkey strode into the kingdom of darkness, brandishing his golden-clasped wishing staff, still slick with the blood of Yama's minions. He saw no one. All the demons and monsters kept to the shadows, cowering from this fearsome monkey. Monkey wandered the strange land until he was confronted by ten cloaked figures, each with a ledger in their arms. Monkey's bones shook as they spoke in a unified voice. Who are you to wander so brazenly through the land of darkness? Come now! If you do not know who I am, why did you send two men to kidnap me? The messengers must have made a mistake. Who are you? I am the sage of the Water Curtain Cave. Who are you? We are the ten judges of death. Then you are the ones responsible for this mistake, not your messengers who have paid the price. Show me your records, or you shall have the same fate as them. After some deliberation, the judges brought forth the records and gave them to him. Sun Wukong searched for his name, eventually finding it listed as Stone Monkey Soul 3150. Under lifespan was written... 342 years, a peaceful end. Well, this is just nonsense. I am an immortal, so I should not have an expiration date. Give me a brush. I will correct this. The judges hesitated and eventually gave over a brush dipped in heavy black ink. Sun Wukong crossed out his lifespan, and while he was at it, crossed out every monkey name he recognized in the ledger. He handed the ledgers back to the judges of the dead and walked confidently out of the land of darkness. As he passed through the gates, his foot caught on a root, sending him tumbling head over heels and waking him up. He was sitting beneath the pine tree at the end of the Great Iron Bridge, exactly where he had been sleeping before his trip to the Land of Darkness. Though he was very much alive, Sun Wukong was troubled. Even after he became an immortal, his name had been in the Book of the Dead. Someone wanted him to pay for the immortality he acquired. Someone powerful. We'll explore the Monkey King's downfall after this. Now, back to the story. In his 342nd year on Earth, Sun Wukong, the Monkey King, cheated death a second time when he crossed his name out of the Book of the Dead. He had finally achieved what he had sought his entire life— freedom from the constraints of mortality. He had everything he wanted, but this new immortality brought with it a number of dangerous enemies. In the Golden Palace of the Jade Emperor, a number of visitors convened to air their grievances before the ruler of the heavens. These included the Ten Judges of the Dead and the Dragon King of the East Sea, 
who circled the chamber with restless rage. In the corner leaned a third figure, not of the Jade Emperor's court, the Bodhisattva Guan Yin, who was present as a witness. The Jade Emperor waved a hand, bidding his guests to speak. What is your business here, Dragon King of the East Sea? Great Emperor, I humbly request your assistance in handling a problem. There's a creature on Earth who has grown too powerful for his own good. What creature? <laughs> a monkey. A false immortal. He learned the earthly conclusion to escape the cycle of death and reincarnation. When we sent men to collect him, he crossed his name out from the books of the dead. And he stole treasures from me! He beat our henchmen to death! Enough! Is this true, Bodhisattva? It is. The Monkey King has proclaimed himself ruler of all the animals and demands regular tribute from his fellow creatures. He must be punished. His arrogance has gone unchecked for almost 400 years. He must be captured and made to suffer for 400 more. I will consider your petitions. Consider? He is clearly a menace. No doubt. But one does not stop a pest by lighting it on fire. Perhaps the monkey has his uses. I will offer him some insignificant job in heaven. Maybe if he learns responsibility, humility will follow. So the Jade Emperor sent a message to the Monkey King. In the message, the Jade Emperor offered the Monkey King the role of protector of the horses and granted him a spot in heaven. Overjoyed at his acceptance, Sun Wukong said farewell to his earthly followers and rode a cloud into heaven. Down below, the monkeys watched him go. They waited for his return for many years, and on the 10th anniversary of his departure, one of the monkeys noticed the sky sparkling overhead, like a meteor shower. One of these lights broke off from the others and floated down to them. It was Sun Wukong riding a cloud back down to Earth. He was sprawled across it, eyes half-closed, a nearly empty bottle of wine was dangling from his hands. Master, you have returned to us at last. How was it spending ten years in heaven? Ten years? I left less than a fortnight ago. Why did you leave so soon? Ah, the job they gave me was a lie. I was a glorified stable boy. So I released all their horses and came back to where I'm actually appreciated. Of course. You're more beloved down here than you ever were up there. Exactly. Do you hear that, Jade Emperor? I'm not Sun Wukong, the stable boy. I shall now be known as the Great Sage, equal to heaven. A most excellent title, my lord. We must prepare for battle. I may have burned down Lao Tzu's house on my way out. The newly proclaimed Great Sage, equal to heaven, marshaled all the forces he could muster, Monkeys, apes, ogres, unicorns, animals, and beasts of all kinds. He created a war council of 72 lesser kings, and together they readied their kingdoms to do battle with heaven itself. The forces of heaven descended on them with alarming speed. The general of heaven, Vaishravana, brought a tremendous army of spirits, planets, and sages down to Earth to capture the Monkey King. Staring upon this massive host of planets, spirits, and wizards, the Monkey King was afraid for the first time in his life. Not for himself, but for the safety of the animals who had elected him their ruler. They did not deserve to be caught up in such a war, but it was not his choice. It was the Jade Emperor for being so condescending to an immortal who had earned his place. The battle 
would be legendary. One by one, the Monkey King's 72 lesser kings were captured by the spirits. The monkeys fled to the water curtain cave for fear of being captured themselves. Sun Wukong took it upon himself to stop any spirits from pursuing them. When the smoke cleared, the only one left standing was Sun Wukong himself. He was vastly outnumbered, but none of the spirit army could match his speed and magical prowess. His fur glistened with sweat. His limbs ached from exertion. Even a monkey made of magical stone had his limits, but he pushed past them for the sake of his honor and his subjects. If he held out just long enough, maybe the Jade Emperor would realize he wasn't worth the trouble. But before Sun Wukong could return to the Water Curtain Cave, a new figure approached over the horizon. It was a large robed man, aura pulsing with magical power. A third eye stared intently from his forehead. He did not need to ask who it was. It was Air Long, one of the greatest warriors in heaven and a powerful wizard. Oh, I see. The Jade Emperor does not want to get his hands dirty, but he'll send you to bring me in for him? At least I fight for my people. The immortal swung his staff at Sun Wukong, striking him across the forehead. The monkey tumbled head over heels. He shook himself and stood up again. His exhaustion was starting to sap his speed. He took a deep breath and turned into a fish. Monkey slipped into a stream and started to weave his way downriver. He could evade the sorcerer until he got his strength back. He risked a glance back. A silver carp was close behind him. It had three eyes. They ducked in and out of the water, chasing each other. They transformed from fish to birds to wild tigers. Each clever transformation Monkey could think of, Ere Long was able to match. They found themselves fighting among the clouds when Monkey returned to his original form. Then he realized with a shock that Ere Long had not promised to play fair. A group of immortals, weapons held over their heads, surrounded Monkey, Ere Long's brothers. At their heels were packs of hunting dogs. The immortals flew at him with their swords, spears, and axes. Monkey could deflect their blows, but as they fought, the spirits closed in around him, preventing him from escaping the fight. And then a strong force struck the Monkey King's head and sent him reeling. He fell backward, and Ere Long's brothers were upon him. Pain seared through his chest as one of them stuck a short sword into his sternum. Squirming on the ground, Sun Wukong looked around to see who had struck the dizzying blow that had incapacitated him. Standing over him was Lao Tzu, the founder of Taoism. Did you have to attack when my back was turned? Not exactly fair play, is it? Erlong and his brothers dragged Monkey into the golden gates of heaven and up to the Jade Emperor's palace. There, Monkey knew, was where his final judgment waited. He had no wish to confront it. Monkey could no longer transform as long as there was a sword through his sternum, but he could still fight. He grabbed his staff and swung it in a pinwheel around himself, knocking the legs out from his opponents. As Erlong, Lao Tzu, and the others struggled to stand, Monkey forced himself to his feet and ran. The gilded palaces of heaven spun by him in a glittering blur. He only had to get to the gates, and he would be free. 
he could ride his cloud back down to earth and be safe with his people. But just as he reached the gates, a pair of figures stopped him. One of them was Bodhisattva Guan Yin, and the other was the Buddha himself. Stop! What do you want from me, Buddha? Do you not see I am defending myself? I merely desire to understand you. Why are you causing so much havoc on heaven and earth, Sun Wukong? All I wanted was a chance to join you all. But the Jade Emperor treated me like a pest to be exterminated, or kept in a cage as heaven's stable boy. <laughs> and you think you are above that sort of treatment? Yes! I am smarter and stronger than them. I've outwitted and outmatched all of heaven's champions. Justice would have me sit on the Jade Emperor's throne. I see. I will make you a wager here, monkey. A battle of wits and strength, if you will. Stand in the palm of my hand. If you can leap out of it, you may have the Jade Emperor's throne. But if you do not, you will do penance for your arrogance. Sun Wukong agreed with a wry grin. Buddha may be a wise and powerful being, but he had never dealt with the Monkey King before. Even if Buddha could enlarge his hand so much that the monkey could stand in it, Sun Wukong could jump many leagues. There was no way he would lose this bet. The Buddha held out his palm, and it grew until Monkey could fit comfortably on the heel of his hand. Monkey stood there, and when Buddha prompted, he leapt as far as he could. The air rushed past his face. The sky above him changed from day to night as he soared above the earth. Countless valleys passed beneath him before he landed on the very edge of the world. It was surprisingly plain. There was nothing there but a sheer cliff with five pillars lining it. It was not terribly impressive for the world's end, so to mark his accomplishment, Monkey urinated on the tallest pillar. Then, satisfied that he had beaten the Buddha, he leapt back toward heaven, ready to claim his prize. Fantasies of what he'd do with his newfound position rushed through his head. He would spend entire centuries eating from heaven's peach orchards. He would hold the greatest parties the Cloud Palace had ever seen. There was no need for the somber, meditative atmosphere that currently weighed down the heavens. He would make living forever more fun than it had ever been. He landed back beside the Buddha and turned to face him triumphantly. That was a worthy attempt, Sun Wukong. Attempt? I just jumped to the edge of the world. I won your bet, Buddha. The Jade Emperor should bow at my feet. <sighs> what does the edge of the world look like? Um, plains and valleys with five pillars marking the very edge. Your mind is quite adept, my friend, but your perception is still too narrow. Buddha held out his right hand. The stench stung Monkey's nostrils almost immediately, the smell of his own urine wafting from the Buddha's fingers. Somehow, he had leapt for hundreds of leagues, but never left Buddha's hand. Wait, I thought— You thought that being clever was all you needed to become an immortal. You could beat all of our champions, but you could never see beyond— your own petty interests. Sun Wukong turned to run, but the Buddha's hands surrounded him on either side. Without hurting him, they pressed in around him, cutting off all light. He beat at the smothering fingers and felt them harden into rock. And then he felt himself falling. He landed and was driven into the earth. The weight pressing down on him was unbearable. But as an immortal, he could not die. 
Incredible heat surrounded him, then unbearable cold. Through a crack in the rock, he saw all five elements swirling around his prison. Metal, earth, wood, fire, water. Until all was dark again. The great sage, equal to heaven, had become imprisoned under a five-peaked mountain. He cried out in rage, trying to beat and struggle his way out of the prison. But the earth pressed around him too tightly. He could not even reach his own staff to pry himself free. The truth finally sank in. He would be stuck beneath the earth until the Buddha determined he should be free. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. We'll be back Tuesday with a new episode. Next week, we'll tell the story of how the Monkey King is released from his earthly prison and how he learns from his mistakes under the guidance of a pious monk. For more information on the Monkey King, amongst the many sources we used, we found Monkey, a folk novel of China by Wu Chengen, translated by Arthur Whaley, extremely helpful to our research. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Mythology, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Mythology on Spotify, just open the app, tap Browse, and type Mythology in the search bar. If you enjoy mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales. Tales presents fairy tales the way they were originally told, orally and unadulterated. Traditional fairy tales aren't exactly suitable for children, and every other Saturday we dive into another dark, classic tale. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, at Parcast, and Twitter, at Parcast Network. We'll be back next week with the continuation of our epic tale. Mythology is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Michael Langsner. With production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, Paul Mahler, Joshua Kern, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Mythology was written by Robert Teamstra with writing assistance by Drew Cole. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Jerry Courtney Austin, Brian Kim, Drew Lawn, Harris Markson, Albert Park, Steve Pinto, Manib Rahman, Dan Velasquez, and Jen Wong. Mythology stars Vanessa Richardson. Mythology.